You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 236 with Kate Korsmeyer. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, I'm super excited to have Kate on the show today. We are going to be talking about blogging and how to monetize it. So uh, you guys know that I've been doing a series called careers you can do from home. And the last two episodes that I had done were on freelance writing and copywriting. So this kind of feeds right into that. So if you've been thinking about doing a blog, but just have no idea how to monetize it, this is the perfect episode for you. Uh, Kate talks about um, how she decided to start a blog and why it was important for her to have the intentions that this is going to be a business and not just a hobby. And she was saying too, like so many women have to have a different mindset when starting a blog. Um, You have to treat it like a business versus treating it like a hobby. And you need to be willing to invest the time, money, and energy to make it a profitable business. And so you will show up differently when you wanted a business just versus just doing it for fun, which I thought was really interesting. And people also too say to her, hey, isn't it too late to start a blog? It's 2021. But she said more people are online than ever before because of the pandemic. Um, And so I thought that was interesting because I think a lot of people do think blogging is dead. So I wanted her to come on today, share like what she's learned, how she figured out how to make six figures with blogging, um, why she decided to start blogging. It starts with a very interesting story with her having PCOS. And we also end with a show talking about um, cycle syncing, which I know may seem like very bizarre, but I am going to be airing some episodes after this about um, hormones and like, why are we feeling the way that we're feeling? I know a lot of you guys um, are probably approaching your 40s or in your 40s, and you might be feeling things are changing for you. And so Kate has a very unique way of looking at things in regards to your business, as well as where you are in your cycle. I understand the cycle syncing, a cycle syncing as well. And I told her we'll have to do a whole different podcast on this, um, but it's very fascinating. It's based on where you are in your cycle and what kind of work you should be doing within that time frame. And um, I have noticed that for myself. And so I, I am, ex- I'm super excited for you guys to hear this. So if this is totally foreign for you, just have an open mind. And I encourage you to kind of think about your cycles and think about um, if you notice what we're talking about in the episode, if you can kind of relate or kind of like notice, oh, I do act like this, or I am a certain way during this part of my cycle. And oh, this makes sense. So this is a really fun episode. Uh, But most importantly, if you are wanting to monetize a blog, this is the episode for you. And I'm super excited for you guys. Um, I want to keep bringing you guys episodes where you can learn how to make money from home. Um, So I really hope you enjoy this show. Hey, you guys, before we jump into the show, I just want to remind you that if you did not hear me announce a couple months ago that I am actually getting certified as a life coach, as well as a weight loss coach through the life coach school with Brooke Estillo, um, and which is such an amazing coaching school to go through. Let me just tell you that. Um, I have learned so much since even starting in January. And I thought that I knew a lot because I've been listening to her for such a long time. And um, I am in a group that kind of is like uses all of that thought work for the past couple of years. So I really felt like, Hey, I I really kind of know what I'm doing. And this really helped me actually lose over 50 pounds in 2019. But let me tell you, going through the coaching certification has really up-leveled my thinking. And so I want to help you guys. Um, One of the reasons why I'm doing coaching is to help you guys beyond the podcast. And um, part of my certification is actually to have some practice clients. And so I am looking to you guys. 
I want to gift this to you guys because it is free. I am not offering this outside of the podcast. I want to give this to you guys because I so appreciate you guys listening to me and being here week after week. You have no idea how much you mean to me. So I want to be able to do this for you. So these are the people that I'm looking for. Um, I already had clients for the month of April and it was a little, um, it was like, we'll coach on anything. But for the month of June, I'm looking for three to four women who are struggling with weight loss, or maybe they are on their weight loss journey. Um, Maybe you have hit your maintenance weight, but you're thinking, how am I going to maintain weight? How am I going to live life? How do I go out to eat? How do I do all of these things, all these things and not gain weight? Maybe you lost some weight and then you had a regain in 2020 with COVID and everything like that. Um, Maybe you're just struggling with your confidence. Uh, Maybe you're at the weight that you want to be, but like just trying on clothes and getting into clothes, it's just not working for you. And you're so frustrated and you can't figure out your style and it's really just impacting your self-esteem. And maybe you're just kind of like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing because I am at the weight that I used to be, but I look nothing like I used to look like. So this is who I want to help for the month of June. I think this is going to be my niche because I have the most passion for this. So if you are resonating with, with this right now, I want you to DM me, send me a message in Instagram. My handle is mom inspired living. If you already don't follow me, go check that out and follow me there. That would be great. Or if you're an email girl, you can email me amber at mom So again, you can DM me or message me. If this resonates with you, it's something you want to do. I would love to help you. I would love to help your uh, help you get you to your goals for 2021. The only requirement is that you show up via Zoom and do the work as if you financially invested in this journey. So um, I am super excited. Reach out to me. Um, this is going to come to a close soon. So I want to make sure I get the people that are really interested and want to do this. I want to gift this to you. Um, so I can't wait to work with you and see where we can go with this. All right, let's go to the show. Kate, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay. So I like to start um, every show with an icebreaker. And the question that I've been asking recently is, what is one thing you wish you could tell your younger self? Mm, Such a good question. I think one thing I would tell my younger self, and it's something that I'm telling myself still today, um, is everything that needs to get done will get done. And you don't have to push and force so much um, that actually, you know, I mean, obviously you need to show up and take action and do the things, but that if you trust a little bit more, that things are so much easier and that I don't have to not, you know, almost like you don't have to try so hard. Mm. Is there something that comes to your mind that you kind of feel yourself feeling like it won't get done? I think I just generally, you know, I'm an Enneagram type three and I'm just a chronic overachiever workaholic type. And so I'm, whenever I'm trying to do something, I'm always super impatient and mm-hmm. everything feels urgent and like such an emergency, you know, like I have to get it done now. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, I'm just continuing to learn that lesson over and over that like it will get done. Just, you know, trust a little bit more and kind of, um, just get more into a place of receiving instead of pushing so hard. Yeah. I like that because I do think there is a point where if you're always kind of pushing that something, maybe it's not meant to happen or it's not meant to happen right now. And, but like the goal oriented part of our brains is just like, no, no, we got to do it. We got to do it. And so I think that's really smart to kind of just, you know, know that it will happen if it's kind of meant to happen. Right. Exactly. So let's get started. Um, How about you share with us your name, 
where you live and how many kids you have and their ages. Okay. So um, my name is Kate Kordsmeyer. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I live here. We have quite the zoo. So I've got my husband and then um, I have two kids. I have a two and a half year old and a 10 month old and two cats and one dog. You have a full house. <laughs> yes. A lot of living creatures relying on me. So. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. Kate, why don't you share with us um, how you got to where you are today? And then we'll jump into uh, the interview and, uh, you know, kind of where you are today. Uh, but I, I would love for you to give a little bit of a backstory. Yeah. So I graduated from University of Georgia and with a journalism degree, and I knew I wanted to be a writer. Um, and so I had been freelancing a little bit on the side while I was in college, but um, ultimately felt like, oh my gosh, everybody I know is getting a real job. I couldn't possibly be self-employed. So um, I got a real job too, and that's an air quotes. And um, <laughs> I was a copywriter for Neiman Marcus, and I thought it was going to be my dream job, and it was just sounded so glamorous. And it was horrible. And no offense to the company. It was just horrible for me. I am not meant to live my life in a windowless warehouse in a cube. So mm. um, I ended up lasting in corporate America all of four months before I decided that <laughs> I was, in fact, going to be self-employed. And I started a freelance journalism career. Um, and I did that for about eight years and I really loved it. I was a food and travel writer. So I got to, I was literally paid to travel around the world and write about the most delicious foods and the hottest restaurants. And it was so much fun. Um, and I, I ended up moving from to a few different cities. I lived in Dallas, Texas for a little while. And then I moved to DC for a while and ended up back in Atlanta and started having some health issues, was also kind of, you know, approaching my 30s and wanting to settle down a little bit more. We bought a house, we got married, we were thinking about starting a family. And I felt like my crazy travel schedule was not really conducive to all of that. So I started looking for a change and um, ultimately ended up starting a blog. And I started a, it was a food blog to start and kind of mixed with like a holistic wellness site. I found a lot of healing in my own body, um, through kind of a, leaving Western medicine behind, I'll mm, say, yeah. and, um, approaching things from a more alternative lens and just found a lot of healing. And so my blog was really dedicated to that. And, um, I grew that into a six figure business in a couple years. And then I got people asking me all the time, how did you do this? And so I launched a course called the six figure blog Academy. And, um, now I spend most of my time working with my students in my course. I then launched a couple other programs and a podcast. And so now, um, I really am more of in the like business um, kind of coaching and entrepreneurial educator space. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, sometimes it's interesting, like when people are kind of going through problems or issues and stuff like that, and that's the thing that actually sets them up for success because, you know, they start sharing all of that and then, and you might have not even thought you would ever be writing about that, you know? And so um, do you mind sharing like what you kind of struggled with or is that more private? No, no, I'm, I am an open book okay, and it's yeah. all on my website for sure. So my website's rootandrevel.com. And, um, I was diagnosed with PCOS, polycystic mm -hmm. ovarian syndrome, um, 
IBS and hypothyroidism mm-hmm. in 2014. And so I was having a lot of different health issues happening, but they ended up actually all being so much more interconnected than I ever realized. Um, and so I, I really was just, I had, I went the Western uh, medicine route and had, you know, a lot of prescription medications that I tried and some invasive procedures trying to figure things out and just nothing was working. And so I actually ended up finding this book called Woman Code written by Elisa Vitti. Um, and it really un- explained the female body in a way that I felt like, wow, at the time I was 27, I think. And I'm like, wow, in 27 years, I've never really understood how my period works or what's happening inside of my body. And um, so it was really eye-opening. And then that kind of um, just had this domino effect where I started seeking out more naturopathic doctors and integrative medicine and looking more at things from this holistic um, lens. And so really, I feel like my entire career, no matter what I was doing has always just been like, what am I really interested in at the time? And like, let me talk about that. And sometimes it's as I'm going through the journey and, and which was the case of my blog, I wasn't like, I'm not trying to be the expert on, you know, PCOS or female hormones, but I was interviewing the experts. I was citing books and studies and stuff and really using my journalism career to, to do those kinds of posts. Um, so it's really just like, what am I interested in? And then figuring out a way to get paid, be paid to think about it all day. Um, and then from there, it's always just been kind of like, as I figure things out, people want to know how I did it, whether it was, you know, kind of reversing PCOS or creating a six figure blog or, you know, what have you. It's just, I, I like to do something and then teach people how to do it. Yeah. So I'm curious, we're going to jump into, um, making money with a blog, but I wanted to ask you, so when you first were talking about your health stuff, because this is where I think some people may find themselves. Like, so you were talking about your health stuff and then at some point you realized, oh, people want to know actually how to make money on the blog. Was that like super obvious for you? Like when that happened, that shift happened, or were you kind of like, huh, like maybe I need to move a little bit away from talking about the health and actually start talking more about business. Like how did that all come up for you? Yeah, such a good question. Um, so really everything was very intentional. I think, um, when I started my blog, it was very much a business decision. So I didn't, I was, you know, so many people start blogs as sort of hobbies or creative outlets with no intention of ever making money from it. Yeah. And that was not my story. I, went into it saying, I am going to, I wanted to, you know, find something else. I had been a freelancer for many years. I was not ready to go back and work for anybody else. So I just wanted to find another revenue stream. And so I didn't intend for it to become my full-time job, but, um, I did intend for it to always be a business. So I say that because, the reason I knew it could be is because I read other bloggers' income reports. Um, a lot of bloggers are publishing these income reports showing people how they make money from their blogs. And I had been reading these and was like, this is so inspiring. And I had no idea this was even possible. And so when I started making money from my blog, I started doing income reports too, as sort of like, you know, full circle, let me give back the same mm. way others gave to me. And so I wasn't surprised when people started being like, oh, wait, this is really interesting. Tell me more. Yeah. Um, 
but to answer the second part of your question, it, it was, I didn't really know where I was going to go with it. Like I thought maybe I would just do income reports. And then the more that people got interested in it, I, I ended up starting that. I did a, a beta round of my course initially, and I just sent an email to my list and was like, I'm thinking about doing a course like this. Um, who would be interested? And I have said, I have 10 spots and I filled them up like in the first day. Wow. And I wasn't expecting that at all because my audience was, you know, a health and wellness and food and, oh, yeah, and that right. kind of thing site. So it was very different. Um, and so for a while I continued running the, the blog Academy kind of as part of root and revel. Um, but after a few months of doing that, it was very clear that these really were two very different audiences. Mm-hmm. And yes, there was some overlap, but most of my Root and Revel audience still wanted to just come to me for wellness advice. And there's a small amount of people that from that same you know sure. list wanted business advice was really something separate. So I ended up separating the websites and I created my personal brand. So it's just katecordsmeyer.com. That's where I do all of my um, kind of holistic business advice. And then Root and Revel is still more of the the traditional wellness and okay. and that kind of thing. So now I have two separate businesses. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. And that's good that you noticed that, that you weren't just trying to kind of like force it to work in the other, because you probably wouldn't get that much traction. Like you were noticing. Um, I'm curious when you did your beta, cause this is probably what people are thinking, you know, they might have a blog or they might be thinking, okay, so how is she making money? Uh, did you charge like a really low amount for those 10 spots? Yes, I did. Um, well, I say really low. It's relative, you know, I guess it's relative, but yeah. I think I charged $200 or so. And I said, like, it was a very contracted thing. Like there was very specific, I'm going to give you this and you're going to give me that. And that's why I'm giving it to you for such a low price. And so I, I charged around 200 bucks and they were required to give me feedback and respond to surveys every week and complete the course in a certain amount of time. And, you know, all of this stuff, because I needed that information and I needed to make the course great so that when I did launch it to the public officially, I knew it was answering everybody's questions and whatnot. Mm. So most of the people were more than happy to do it. There were a couple stragglers where I'd have to go, hey, remember, <laughs> if you don't respond to the survey, you're going to lose access to the course and you're yeah. not getting money back. Um, so eventually, you know, everybody actually was super helpful. And I'm so glad I did that sort of beta test because yeah. it was so um, informative. And I do think it really made the course so much better. I'm curious, how long did you run that uh, beta group? 30 days. Oh, okay. So it was a month and, um, got it. Okay. Yeah. I do think that really helps. So we'll, we'll let, we'll, let's jump into the question and then I can maybe come back and work on that, um, part of it. Um, so I do think that so many women, especially moms, they want to start something. And I think a lot of times blogs are those things that they want to do, especially if they love writing. Um, Mm -hmm. but like you said, so many started, um, a long time ago, just, they were just sharing their lives and then somehow they just started making money and you're kind of like, okay, that's interesting. Like, how do you even do that? But like you said, you went straight into this thinking, I am going to make money. This is going to be a business. So I think what's challenging is many women can't figure out how to monetize it, or they feel like it's saturated and there's just no money to be met to be made. So can you share with us why you think having a blog can still be monetized? 
Yeah, absolutely. I do think one of the biggest things that holds um, women or anybody who's blogging um, back from turning it into a business is that simple mindset shift of treating it knowing that it is a business and then treating it as such. Because if you treat something like a hobby, it will pay you like a hobby. Mm -hmm. And I know that in so many of the hundreds of conversations I've had with both just people in my free communities and then inside my courses themselves, um, there is this very limiting um, kind of block that comes up where people are just, they're not willing to to invest the time, the energy, the effort, the money into something to create a profitable business out of it. And they feel like it should just be a profitable business because they want it to. And that's unfortunately not yeah. enough in my right. experience. Yeah. Um, so I do think that having that shift you know, showing up as the person who runs a successful blog is different from showing like you're going to show up differently than if you're just thinking of it as like, this is just something I do for fun. Um, not that it can't still be fun once it's right. a business, but you know, there's, there's just a difference in how you show up. So I think that's the first thing. Um, the, I get the objection a lot that, oh, it's too late. You know, it's 2021. We, it's too late to start a blog. It's like, you know, I was interviewing somebody on my podcast the other day mm -hmm. and she was saying that in 2009, somebody told her not to start her blog because it was too late. <laughs> and I'm like, what if she had listened? And that was in 2009. And now here we are in 2021. Now I started Root and Revel in 2015 at the very end of the year. So 20, it was 2016 was really the, the first yeah. year of it. And there were tons of people ready to tell me that blogging was dead then. But if anything, what we've seen, especially over the last year with the pandemic and mm -hmm. everything, more people are online than yes. ever before. Right. And blogging is so far from dead. In some ways, I kind of think it's like just getting started. Like oh. we're really just figuring out the power of blogging and what it can do. And it's so different from how blogging was in the 2010s, for example, or even before that, the early 2000s, when it was just this like chronological diary of here's what I'm doing in my life. Here's what I'm cooking. Here's what I'm wearing, you know, whatever yeah. kind of your topic was. That doesn't cut it anymore. Those kinds of blogs for sure are dead, I think, especially if you're brand new. Now, if yeah. you started in 2002 and you still have a, following. Um, a huge following, yeah, you can probably get away with that kind of stuff still, but certainly not new, not new bloggers. So it's really now more, I think what I love about it is like, it's more like service journalism now, mm. which is lots of articles. Um, I, I'm calling them articles, but blog posts where yeah. it's just, you're providing value. You're solving a problem for somebody. You're, you know, helping them achieve something or learn something new. So it's really service focused. Um, and there's so much room for that still. There's a lot of strategies for how you can really make yourself stand out and, you know, get more organic search traffic and things like that, which I'm happy to go into. But um, I think overall, blogging is very far from dead. And there's so many studies that have come out even in just the last um, couple of years showing, like I said, more people are online than ever before. Blog readership continues to grow. More people read blogs than um, check email. So oh, wow. there's, still, there's still so much. Um, the world is a very big place and there is room for all of us. Yeah, that's really good. And you know, one thing that when you were talking, um, 
I'm curious, like, so when you have people say they've been blogging, you know, a lot of times people were like, you hate, you need to put out content, create content. You got to give and give and all that and be consistent. Like, don't just, you can't just be like, oh, I wrote two times and then skipped a month and all that stuff. So for the people that have been creating content on a consistent basis, and then they're just kind of like, I don't know how to get out there for people to see me or get more eyes on my uh, blog. I think you just said something to me um, about getting organic, um, uh, you said you could talk Search more traffic. to them. Yes. So this might tie into what I'm asking. But for those people, like what comes to your mind? Like how? So it's like they already have the stuff. They've been doing it. And, and it's like, but they're just kind of like, I say have the same hundred eyes on my blog weekly. Right. Like, you know, wh- what do you like to tell those women? You know, because they are putting in the work to make the content. It's just that they can, yeah. they're not getting enough people viewing it. So I think usually it's a couple different things happening here, but the the main thing is that yes, content is queen and we putting out consistent quality content is important, mm-hmm. but you that content needs to be optimized. And I think mm-hmm. it needs to be optimized in two ways. One is it needs to be optimized for organic search traffic. So you might be only getting the same hundred people because nobody is finding your blog organically. Nobody is going to Google and typing in something that you cover on your blog and having your blog show up as a result on the first page of Google. And it's going to be really hard to grow your traffic if you're not able to be found by Google or likewise by Pinterest, and which is a search engine as well, even though a lot of people think of it like a social media platform. Right. Um, so optimizing your content so that you are able to show up in those search results is the best way. And the, you know, I say the fastest blogging is a long game. Um, it's a slow burn. So anybody who's like, Oh, I'm going to throw up a couple SEO, you know, optimize posts tomorrow. And next week I'll get tons of traffic. It's like, slow your roll. It's going to take a few months, but, um, it is the like most sustainable way to get lots of incoming traffic on a regular basis, new leads and eyes coming in every day without having to spend, you know, tons of money on ads or tons of time on social media. So what stands out to you when you think about the SEO? Is it based on the title or just what they're saying in the blog post itself for it to kind of show up where it needs to? So there's a lot. I mean, SEO is such a big topic, but I will say like a a very um, simple introduction to SEO Mm -hmm. would be that you would pick a keyword that you would do keyword research before you're even writing a post to Mm. determine what your keyword should be. And it's this balancing act of wanting to make sure that enough people are searching for that term every month. Um, but also that the competition isn't so high Mm. that as a new or small blog, you would never be able to compete with, you know, these huge sites. Yes. So you're doing keyword research and then there's a bunch of places inside the blog post itself that you're putting that keyword, you're putting it in the URL, you're putting it in the title, you're using it in, you know, uh, organically and authentically in the content. Um, there's lots of things that I'm sure if you've never heard any of these terms are going to sound overwhelming, but it's pretty simple once you really learn it, like your meta description and your alt text and your title tags and things like that. Um, so there are, there's a lot of different, like in our course, we give like a checklist of here's Mm. all the places that you need to put your keyword and here's how you, here's how you do the research and figure out like what a good keyword would be. And, and I was thinking that's kind of the one of the other parts to what you were saying about mm-hmm. maybe they've p- been producing content for a long time 
And maybe the content's even good. It's even good, but it's just not optimized or you're not creating content that people actually are wanting to read. Mm. So I think doing that keyword research, sometimes even in advance of like, before you even know what you're going to write about. So like if you're a food blogger and you're thinking, what do I, what recipes should I post for, um, 4th of July? do keyword research and figure out what are people searching for, for 4th of July recipes and create something around that rather than just being like, well, I like this. So I'm going to go post this thing. And maybe nobody cares about eating, you know, I don't know, spaghetti on 4th of July. Yeah. I'm just thinking about spaghetti on 4th of July. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, don't, I don't think that would be a good option. <laughs> um, okay. So one thing that kind of stood out to me when you were talking um, about this is, you know, so you know, people are like, okay, I I have all the, you know, right, you know, keywords and SEO, all that's working really well. I'm creating content, people are reading it. But that doesn't necessarily mean all of a sudden you just start making money. So right. So walk us through because I'm thinking people are like, yeah, but how do you make the money? Like, how is this all happening? Even if you're doing all the things that you need to be doing or, or then you have the other group of people where I feel like kind of like what you were saying before, you create something and then they just think all of a sudden, you know, they're going to have all these ads and and it's going to be amazing and and they're going to make so much money. So like help us kind of take both of those sides, right? And join them into the yeah. middle to kind of be like, okay, what what does this really look like? Yeah. So I'll start with the second part of your question okay. because I do think there's a lot of people that think because there's so much money to be made in the online space, I think there there's sort of this like reputation that it's a get rich quick scheme or something, right. you know, like, yeah. Oh, this is so easy. Cause look how much money these people are making. Right. You don't realize how much really goes into it and yes. how much behind the scenes work goes into just publishing one single blog post. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think some of it is like getting people to see that this is not a get rich quick scheme. It doesn't mean it's going to take you for, you know, years and years. Like I was making more, six figures from my blog in the second year. So it's not like you have to put in 10 years before you're making a dime, but you do have to be patient. And I I have found with blogging, it's very much a snowball effect. Like my first year I made $6,000 and then my second year I made 75,000 and my third year I made 150,000. So it was like, as soon, you know, you kind of get your get yeah. it going and then it just starts snowballing. But that first year is hard and it's hard to make a lot of money in that first year because you're starting from scratch and things take time and it takes time to build an audience and build trust and, um, you know, get that good Google juice from SEO. It's not something that it just happens overnight. So, um, I find that most people's blogs quote unquote fail because they quit in the first year. And Mm. they're just like, this is too hard. I'm not seeing enough results. But most people who end up going into the second year, assuming that they're actually using some kind of a strategy that they're not just winging it, um, usually end up, you know, that's where that snowball kind of starts rolling. And, um, and then the results really start coming from there. So Um, that was the second part of your question. The first part is, okay, but so how are you actually making money from your blog? And so what I teach inside six FBA, um, is the three traditional methods for monetizing your blog, which is display ads, affiliate marketing, and sponsors. 
And I'm happy to explain any yeah. of those in more detail. Yeah, why don't you do that for people just in case they don't know? Okay. So display ads, really obvious. It's just like you go to somebody's website, you see an ad, that's a display ad. And so you're there most likely they are partnered up with some kind of ad network mm. and they it's, I love ads in some ways because it's super passive. You just put a piece of code on your website and then the ads show up and you get paid every time somebody views the ad. Mm. Sometimes some networks will say every time that somebody views, some only pay based on some, every time somebody clicks, it'll be different depending on your network. But, um, there's nothing that you're having to do beyond that initial setup. Um, so it can be very passive income. Again, there's like, there's always going to be things you have to kind of weigh the pros and cons with. You don't want to just have a site that's littered with ads and impossible to read. You want to, you know, make sure your user experience is still good. Um, but that's one way to monetize. Um, the second way to monetize is with sponsors. And this is what we see a lot of like influencers doing lately. And this is where they're partnering with a brand and they're promoting that brand's products or services. Um, and the brand is paying them to do so. So both of those are two great ways to monetize, but they're not my favorites because they are really require you to play the volume game, mm. meaning you have to have a lot of people coming to your site to make really good money with display ads. Brands are only going to pay you if you have a decent following, you know, if they think that there's the potential for your audience to actually um, buy their product. So while I do think you can get started and brand like when you're new, you don't have to wait until you have millions of followers right. for content. Um, and micro influencing is such a thing now. So that's great, but it still is, um, more of the volume game and it's not sponsored content isn't, isn't passive. Cause you're only getting paid when you do the work for that brand. Right. So my favorite method is affiliate marketing and it's kind of similar, but the difference is you're partnering with a brand, but they're not paying you anything up front. They're only paying you when somebody buys through your link. So if I promote, um, you know, a spaghetti sauce, I'm going to keep that theme going. Yeah. If I promote <laughs> a spaghetti sauce and somebody reads that article or blog post, clicks the link and then purchases the spaghetti sauce, I'll get a commission on that sale. And so this is really the best. I feel like this is where the magic happens because you can write a post once and put affiliate links in it, and then it can earn for years and years and years to come. And my favorite example of this is that I wrote an our uh, blog post three years ago, um, and it was monetized with affiliate links. Mm -hmm. And that blog post was earning me about $5,000 a month for wow. several years. Um, and then when the pandemic hit in March of last year, um, the search traffic to this post spiked because it was about getting food delivered to your house. Wow. And so we made $42,000 in three months <laughs> on a post that I wrote three years ago. Um, so That's amazing. it was so passive and so lucrative. Um, and like I said, you know, that was like a big surge and we obviously loved that. Um, but it, even when the traffic kind of came back down and normalized once um, the world normalized a little yeah. bit, um, you know, we still are earning multiple thousands of dollars per month just from this one blog post. Yeah, I yeah. like that. So uh, share with us, like, how do you go about picking affiliate, um, you know, partnerships that you want to work with? Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, honestly, the easiest way I can think is to just look around your house and see what are the brands that you use and love. And depending on what type of blog you have, you know, certain brands may or may not be relevant to what you want, what you're talking about. But, um, if you're a beauty blogger, go to your, you know, um, go to your bathroom and look at, what brands are in your shower? What kind of makeup are you using? Like what all of the personal care products, look at those brands and which ones feel aligned with your mission of your blog. And, um, you know, a root and revel is a very holistic, natural kind of green eco-friendly site. Mm -hmm. So it was very important to me that whether it was an affiliate or a sponsor, that all of the brands were, they matched our core values. Um, so I wouldn't be partnering with like craft on a recipe or something that wasn't really in line. So, and I think that's really important because you have to maintain your integrity and, you know, be really authentic in anything that you're recommending if you want your readers to trust you. And anybody can tell when something's like, you just did this because it was paid. Right. Yeah. I was going to ask you, is there like a hub that you go to or do you just go to all the individual companies that you might like and see if they have an affiliate? Yeah. So it's a little bit of both. Um, there are some affiliate networks. Like one of my favorites is called share a sale and there are thousands of affiliates that of thousands of brands that have affiliate programs and you can join them just by going into share a sale and kind of searching for brands or topics and, um, and you can just join from right within there. But there's also brands that, you know, aren't part of those networks. Some of them have web on their website, they'll just have a, an affiliate application form or something like that, that you can find. So, um, we go in, like, I have a lot of videos in the, Mm -hmm. in our course about how, how to find brands and how to, you know, pitch yourself and, and all of that kind of stuff. But Jen affiliates is really easy because unlike sponsors, you can get started from day one. As long as you have a legitimate website, there's really no risk for the affiliate to partner with you because they're only paying you if you make a sale. Um, whereas sponsors are paying you that upfront fee. So they want to make sure that you have a certain size audience and that you can, you know, so affiliates are great when you're just getting started because literally your first blog post, you could have affiliate links in it. Yeah. Um, is there, a certain, is there a certain amount of links that you feel like, okay, you shouldn't really go more than this amount? Or are you kind of like, hey, if it works, it's I think fine? it totally depends on mm. the post. Like okay. if you're writing a post about 10 green beauty products, oh, that, yeah. that makes 10 sense. links make right. sense. Okay, but yeah. But if it's, you know, I yeah. think you don't want to stuff yeah. your posts with links, yeah. but if it makes sense, then I think there's, you know, sky's the limit. Like if yeah. you have a roundup of my 100 favorite products of the year or something like great, a hundred links make sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Um, I wanted to go back to something and then I'm going to um, ask you a, an interesting question at the end since we're wrapping <laughs> up, but you were talking about, you know, treating a blog like a business versus a hobby. And I think that's very logical and and people can be like, yeah, that totally makes sense. But I think when it comes down to that day to day, week to week, month to month, what does that actually look like? And, or, and I guess, what did it look like for you that like, you knew you were going into this, like, what were you doing that you feel like maybe a hobbyist would be doing versus what you were doing being very intentional? Yeah, such a good question. I'm so glad you asked that. So a couple things come to mind. Um, One is that 
I really, it was non-negotiable work time. So it wasn't just like, I'll fit it in when I get to it or after my real work is done or something like that. It was, it was in my calendar. I kind of kept like strict office hours and I treated it like I'm going to work on the blog from whatever the hours were. Maybe it was nine to five. Maybe it's like 10 to 11. Cause that's all the time I have, but it was very intentional carved out time. Um, that I was going to devote to it and showing up consistently um, was definitely one of the most important things to do. The second thing I would say is investing in both myself and in the business itself. And the great thing is that blogging is like one of the most inexpensive businesses you could ever start. There's no overhead. There's not like brick and mortar space. You're not having to pay employees. You're not having, you know, it's, it's so cheap but it's not free to start. Right. Yes. And I think a lot of people, I've even seen this with some of my students, you know, they just are not willing to spend a dollar to get their business started. Or if they are, they're going to complain the whole way about <laughs> how like, I can't believe that hosting is so expensive. And it's like, it's $2.95 <laughs> a month, $2.95 a month. Like, oh, goodness. That's so cheap. When you think about like, headquarter buildings, right? Like brick and mortar, how much they have to pay (laughs) to keep the lights on. (laughs) It's, it's so, it's so affordable, relatively speaking. And I'm not saying that everybody has the money to do it, but I think if you really want to turn this into a business, I would recommend having a couple thousand dollars Mm. to put into your first year of blogging so that you can, pay for some of the tools and software that you'll need so that you could hopefully pay for a coach or a course or something that can give you that strategy and help you figure out what the heck you're doing. Cause it's very overwhelming at first. Um, and like I said, I mean, you don't need much more than that, but I've, I've just, I've heard people say like, I'm going to max out my credit cards on this. And sometimes I'm thinking, well, your credit card limit must be like a thousand dollars because this is not an expensive right. business yeah. to start. But you're just, you, they just seem unwilling to spend yeah. any money, you know, and I think that that's the biggest um, thing that's going to hold you back. So, um, yeah, so money and then, gosh, let's see, there's definitely some other things. I mean, I think having a journalism um, degree was helpful to me, yeah. but it's certainly not necessary. And some of the things that I try to teach students in my course is like how to approach your blog like a journalist. And so how do you find experts to interview and how mm. do you request that you know they give you their time? How yeah. do you cite your sources properly and make sure that this isn't just like my opinion or just some you know big diatribe that you've put together, but it's actually factually accurate? Um, so some things like that yeah. I think are are really helpful and just making sure that you're presenting yourself in a professional manner. Yeah, I like that. Um one one question and before we jump into the last one, I was cuz you we mentioned Pinterest being a search engine, which I do think that's a good reminder that I think people forget that and they just kind of yeah. think it's just it's like Instagram, right? Like it's like pictures. Like I think people right. sometimes just think that's what it is. Um now I could see a lot of people having you know, a good following or whatever on Pinterest, and they may be thinking about going into a blog, do you feel like it could help having a big following? Or um, I forget how it works with Pinterest. If there's a following and then there's a, uh, is there is there a subscribe to your page? I don't know. It's it's slightly different than yeah. the rest of so them. I think with Pinterest, you can have people can follow your page. Um, 
and then they can repin your stuff. So you yeah. can see like how many, how many of your pins were repinned on somebody else's yeah. boards. Um, oh, but views honestly, maybe, I don't know, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I have found that the only thing that really matters mm-hmm. about Pinterest for bloggers is how much traffic Pinterest is sending to your site. So, Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So it, having a big following, it might help in some ways, like if you've already built up a big following there, because then when you start linking out to your blog, then perhaps those people would be, um, clicking it. But generally think about how you use Pinterest and the way that I use it. And I think most people is yeah. I go to Pinterest and I type something into the search yep. bar. I'm looking for screen porch inspiration. Mm, right. And yep. so I'm typing that in. I'm not going to somebody's profile and then scrolling through their yes, pin. Right. Generally yep. speaking. Yep. Right. So, Me too. Yeah. So I think when you think of it that way, what you're trying to do as a blogger is have your pin show up mm. when somebody searches, you know, whatever it is that your blog post is about. And then you want that person to not just repin your thing, but to actually click through the pin to read the post. Yeah. So I think there are a lot of, I could see like interior design being a tricky one because mm. people are often just repinning stuff to like create mood boards yes. and stuff like that. Right. Whereas they're not always clicking through to like, oh, I need to know how to do this thing yeah. or I need to read the full thing. That like recipes, people pin a lot of recipes, um, but ultimately they need to go make those recipes. So yeah. then they're like through <laughs> to get right. the recipe. That's true. Yeah. 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 That's a, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, in regards to people using Pinterest. Okay. So we're at the end. We have a few minutes left and I wanted to ask you um, something that, you know, many women may not even consider when it comes to running a business and this can apply to anything, but since we're talking about making a blog, a business and it's around our monthly cycle. So people might be like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> so <laughs> you talked about, is it Lisa Vitti or did you, how did you pronounce her last name? Vitti? Yes. I Bidey. think it's Vitti. Is it Vitty? I think so. Okay. Lisa I, I don't know Vitty. her personally. I don't either. I'm not, yes. Yeah. I have that I think same it's book. V-I-T-T-I. Yeah. Yeah. Vitty. So we'll go with Elisa Vitty. And so the woman code, and I think she has a new book out. And I think I got her book back in 2016. And I actually forget that I had it and all that kind of stuff. And then I brought it back out. But um, you and I were talking about this before we actually started recording about like how our monthly cycle like dictates, like kind of like our energy that we have for the month, even when in regards to working out, but we won't jump into that. So Mm -hmm. share with us what you have figured out in regards to that, in regards to running your business. Yeah. Okay. So I'm so glad you asked this question because I do think it's um, not often talked about and it's so important. And I'm sure that anybody who has had a period before can say that, oh, I noticed that I feel this way right before I'm about to get my period, or I feel this way while I'm on my period. Um, you know, maybe if you've even paid attention, if you've been like looking at your fertility or ever tried to get pregnant, you might notice how you feel around ovulation time. And what's really interesting is that, you know, men operate on a 24 hour um, cycle. Mm -hmm. So within reason, yeah, every single day is the same for them. Their energy ebbs and flows the same ways at the same times in that 24 hour cycle. But women obviously operate on a, you know, 28 to 32 ish day cycle Um, instead and our energy and our mood and even like our nutritional needs and, 
um, our hormones are fluctuating throughout that cycle. You know, generally speaking, like every week is different. And so, um, what's been really interesting to me is that when I've started paying attention to where I am in my menstrual cycle, I notice like, oh, this is actually a better time for me to do certain tasks related to work that I'm able to do them with more ease, less pushing, less stress things feel more natural. I'm able to focus better. Um, and then vice versa, like, oh my gosh, whenever I try to come on a podcast while I'm on my period, I just have, I'm so low energy (laughs) and I just don't, you know, I feel more with withdrawn and I don't really want to talk and be really visible. So now I try to, you know, schedule my podcast interviews around my cycle and try to record those more so when I am ovulating and I'm feeling really energetic and, Um, you know, that I want to be socializing and networking and that kind of thing. So you don't have to be perfect. This is, you know, much more of an art than a science, but I think it's been so powerful. You know, I started cycle syncing because I was trying to heal my PCOS Mm -hmm. and my thyroid and some, you know, hormonal disorders that I had. But what I ended up finding is so much more than just kind of the health piece of it. And that, it really made work so much more enjoyable and less stressful when yes. I when I applied this concept to it. I was going to ask <laughs> you if you can let everyone know when do you find you you talked about you know doing your podcast and stuff when um, you're not near your period or on your period when you're ovulating. I totally can understand that because I find too when I'm getting closer to starting, I'm just more withdrawn, you know, I'm just kind of like, yeah, "Yeah, I don't want to be like chatty Kathy and all that stuff. And, um, it does make a big difference. And so I wanted to ask you, when do you feel like in your cycle that you should really set aside for all that hard work? Like you're either maybe creating something or you're like having to do something that takes a lot of brain power. When in your cycle, do you find that you do the best? Okay. So it's interesting because it it does depend on the type of work, but Mm, like I'll say your luteal phase right before, this is like the week before you get your period. This is where like our hormones are starting to drop really drastically leading up to menstruation. If you suffer from PMS, this is probably when you'll start feeling that. Mm. Um, But this is a really good time to kind of bring projects to completion and really focus on like those details and organization and admin. Like it's a good time to start turning inward and focusing more on those solo tasks that require a little more focus rather than doing something that requires you to be like really visible or collaborate a lot and, you know, really be out and about. Yeah. So, um, that's what I like doing during the luteal phase. But then, um, and I mentioned, you know, ovulation is Mm -hmm. usually when it's like, okay, create, this is a great time to communicate and socialize. So like hit publish or launch and record and, um, you know, do those interviews and present and like all those things where you kind of need to be high energy and feeling really like powerful and sexy and all of those things. Um, that happens more during your ovulation phase. Um, I really like looking at my follicular phase, which Mm. would be after your period as you're heading into now ovulation. So the week in between, this is kind of like spring energy, I feel like. Um, So you start getting that increasing, like you've just come off your period, your energy was really low and now it's starting to really increase. You're starting to get like your creative juices flowing again. So it's a really good time to start like planning and setting intentions and taking those like first action steps. 
um, and prioritizing tasks that require like a peak in energy to get them going. So maybe not fully, um, you know, being super visible and launching something that week, but kind of getting those first, first steps taken. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I know. And I could just keep talking about this and I'm like, (laughs) oh, we should do a whole nother episode on that. Um, and, but I just wanted people to, you know, hear that if they've never heard that for the first time, that that does like make a big difference. And, 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 or also if they're kind of feeling like, man, am I the only one feeling this? Like, am I the only person who wants to kind of draw in kind of like what you're saying? And one thing that stands out to me is when you were talking about that phase is when, um, kind of feels like nesting. Like when you're pregnant, you're kind of like, let me just get all the things done. I don't, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just like, (laughs) you're just like, yeah. 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 And so, you know, if people feel this way, I I feel like they, they may not feel, they may not feel normal. They may feel like, okay, like something's wrong. And I love this. My, my OB had said, like, when you turn 40, you're kind of like reverse puberty. And I tell you that has really helped my brain. And I've, I, I have told friends this so many times because like they're approaching 40 or maybe they're a little bit into their forties and they're just kind of like, I don't know what's going on with my cycle. It's changing. I'm like, Oh, I'm like, my doctor was like, it's reverse puberty. And when you kind of think about it that way, it kind of helps you to go, Oh yeah. Okay. So we're going backwards kind of, but then, and then when you add in, you know, all the monthly cycle thinking, all that, I think it just really kind of helps you to be able to manage that without everything feeling like you have no control over it. Cause I do feel yeah. like that kind of happens a little bit, um, especially as you or start no getting older. Guilt. Like what? I always, I said it or no guilt. Oh, I always yeah. felt really yes. like, gosh, on my period, I'm just, I am so low energy. I, I don't feel like doing a whole lot. I, I yeah. would rather like Watch TV. spend this time kind of, yeah, watching <laughs> yeah. TV or just like journaling yeah. and kind of, you know, turning, turning Reading. super yeah. inward mm-hmm. and yeah. And I would feel guilty, like, oh my gosh, I'm so lazy. I can't yeah. believe that I don't want to do this. And then it was like, once I just gave myself permission mm-hmm. and trusted that like, you're on your period. And when you head into the follicular phase, it will change. Yep. Sure enough, it, it did. It was like, turns yep. out, I don't want to lay on the couch my entire cycle. Just yeah. the few yeah. days that I'm on my period. I agree. I, I love it. Okay. Well, we are at the end of the show, Kate. I had so much fun talking to you. I could just keep going, but you know, I Thanks. need to wrap this Thanks up. Too. So <laughs> I had such a wonderful chat with you. Thank you. Me too. It was really fun. Hey, you guys, are you subscribed to the Mom Inspired Show? If not, make sure to subscribe to the Mom Inspired Show email list. Why it's so important is because I own the rights to my email list as well as to my website. So last year it taught me that social media, we do not own any content on that. They can decide at any moment to either hide content, they can prevent people from reaching out to you, finding you, and they can block you from certain things and you have no control over it. So I want you guys to subscribe to my show so that way you can always find me. You can always know what's going on because I own the rights to my email list. And so all you have to do is go to mominspiredshow.com, enter your name and email. And then that way, every week on Tuesday, you will get an email from me with the newest episode with the show notes, as well as any links or codes that I talked about in the show. That way you don't have to go searching for it on my website and then go into the episode and then go into the show notes. It is all at your fingertips and makes it super easy. But most importantly, No one can take away this content. um, And that way you don't have to worry, hey, what happened? I'm not seeing Amber stuff anymore on social media feeds. Like, why are they hiding it? 
I control all of this stuff. And so I just want to make sure that you guys will always know what's going on and that you will always have access to the things that I am sharing. And so please go subscribe to the Mom Inspired Show email list today.